0: Hi, this is Doug Kay, the co-host of All About the Gear, and you're listening to This Week in
1: Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the Cashfly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with Cashfly, and now pay as you go. You can start with 2 terabytes for free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. TWiP is also brought to you by Panasonic Lumix cameras, changing photography for the next generation. And by lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of high-quality and easy-to-follow video tutorials, including many about photography. Do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash TWiP. And FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. To try FreshBooks for free, just go to FreshBooks.com TWIP, and when you sign up, enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Before we dive into this week's show, here's a quick look at what's happening on the Twip Network. First up, on the Candid Frame, Barry Next chats with Matt Sweeney, whose photographs of Hollywood during the early 80s capture that unique era using the beautiful and unique color palette of Kodachrome. And over on Twip Family, Jenny talks to Street Focus host Valerie Jardin about the awesome power of limitations. And speaking of Valerie Jardin, it's time for a street-focused Q&A episode and another street challenge contest. And on TWiP Talks, it's a discussion with entrepreneurs Robert Nunn and Samuel Zaribian, along with their advisor, Peter Nicholson, about their new software, Live Portrait. And on The Fix, Jan Kabili explores photographing the stars with David Marks. All that and more is happening this week on the TWiP Network. Remember, you can subscribe for free to any or all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. This is TWiP, episode 423, Learning Photography, Paper versus Pixels. The rapid pace of change in the photography industry has affected not only photographers' hardware and software choices, but also the means by which we learn and perfect our craft. There are more ways to learn photography than ever before, which is great, but it can also be paralyzingly confusing. What's the best way to learn this stuff? And how do you get good? And what pieces are missing from modern photography education? Joining me to discuss how education and publishing for photographers has changed and whether modern photography education is failing its students is the author of Creative Visualization for Photographers, Mr. Rick Salmon, and the editor-in-chief of Digital Photography School, Miss Darlene Hildebrandt. It's Monday, July 27th, 2015, and this is TWiP. All right, folks, welcome back to TWiP. I'm sitting here with Miss Darlene <laughs> Hildebrandt and Mr. Rick Salmon. Guys, hi, how's it going? What's going on in your world?
2: It's going well.
1: Going well, cranking, creating content, darling. You are the consummate content creator and curator over at at Digital Photography School, right? What's What's up over there?
2: Let's be clear. I don't create all of it, but I do curate it all and edit it all. So um, we've had a little discussion about editing already pre pre show. So <laughs> yeah, I go through a lot of content, um, but it's actually kind of cool because. Uh, I'm I'm current on all news happenings and new products and free stuff gets sent to me and yeah nice. it's
1: it's fun. You get your finger on the pulse. I did listen to a podcast the other day from uh, Darren Rouse and he was talking about how he's moving and doing starting to play around with doing podcasts, which I think is really awesome. But he also mentioned that he said something about one of his staff members was away on vacation, so he had to do more work. I'm yeah. like. Is Darlene uh-huh. slacking off over there?
2: Well, technically, there was actually 3 of us away because we all went to the same conference in Portland. So there was myself, his editor at ProBlogger, and Jasmine who is the manager of, of everything else DPS that I don't do. She yeah. does the products and the ebooks and the events for Pro Blog- everything else. She was gone as well. So I'm guessing it was one of them.
1: Okay, all right. We'll we'll go with that. That's your story, and you're sticking to
2: it. He wasn't picking up any of my slack.
1: All right. Also on the show, Mister Rick Salmon. You know, speaking of, because you know, in the notes, guys, I put Rick is the prolific guy when it comes to book publishing, and Darlene, you have your finger on the pulse of digital content distribution. This is a one-two punch. So, Rick, Rick, what's going on in your world, man? What have you been? What have you been writing on uh, lately? Well, you know, my book came
0: out in April, and thanks for the nice review on Amazon.com. You know, it's yeah. been, like, number one in color since April, thanks to your review. You know, the other reviews were good, but your review was the best. Hey, but, that was my pick of the week last week. I know. Way. I know. Yeah. Sales went up. Actually, it went down to number two for, like, three <laughs> minutes, and then went back up after that. But, you like, know, I, I've been promoting the book, and, you know, one of the things I think we're going to talk about is that, you know, no, no matter what product you have today, you have to become, like, the PR agent. Right. So I, I've been spending you know, a lot of time uh, promoting the book. Uh, had a lot of book signings. I had one at Adorama the other day. And, uh, it's funny. I tell people, you know, writing a book sometimes isn't fun, but autographing a book is always fun.
1: Yeah, it is. Love, so that's And that's what we're going to be talking about. So I have in the show notes here that we're, the topic is publishing atoms versus electrons or paper versus pixels, right? Okay. So, and that's what I want to talk about. I mean, re- uh, Rick, in a, what was it? Like a year ago, two years ago, you made a prolific statement. You know where I'm I going did. with this. I you did. made a prolific statement that Rick Salmon, the guy that you can't walk into any bookstore without seeing right. his name, was not going to be writing books anymore. You were going to be moving over to apps and digital because that was the future. Well, and, but now I have in my hot little hands a Rick Salmon Book a physical book. What happened? Well, you know, I have
0: uh, eleven apps and I have a lot of ebooks books and I just thought it was time to. It's been five years since I wrote a book. Yeah. And you know, this is actually the heaviest book. I've, I'm just going to show you this part. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's this is this is like well, there's the cover, but it's a heavy book. And actually, yeah. I wrote it like as a textbook uh, for like you know students. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe going to RIT or whatever, because it's really a brain dump and it really includes like I don't I really don't know if I could do another one yeah. right for five years but yeah it
1: I gotta has, say it's one of the, it's one of your best books that I've seen I mean it's it's really well done
0: well thank you and you know why I think it it's doing well I think I, I wrote some of the other books for myself and I think the key to writing a book is writing it for the reader and every mm-hmm. every single chapter every single paragraph I said to myself is the reader gonna like this I don't want to leave any questions Unanswered. So I think now that would be like one of my number one tips: write write a book, no matter what it is, whether it's on skiing or cooking or uh, you know on T-shirts that we all have on good T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> write write yeah. it for write it for the user.
1: Yeah. But what? But okay. Put to put a finer point on it, people in younger people, especially in today's generation, are like you know what? I don't paper. What is that stuff? You're gonna kill a tree. I want it on my iPad or my Kindle or my my yeah, my. Android tablet. Why do I need a physical book these days? So, what's what's your what's your response to that?
0: Well, I, it's the e-book. There's an e-book version of it. There's a Kindle. You could get it on uh, Amazon uh, on the Kindle version. Apple yep. Books. It's there too. So it's it's all over on the e-book version, but I think there's something to be said for uh, you know holding holding a book. People I, actually, I saw someone on the plane reading the book. Yeah. Oh, nice. Which was kind of cool. Uh, so I, I think there is something to be said for for having that that reference. You know, I, I really thought I'd never do it, but I did it, and I'm very very proud of it.
1: Yeah. And and Darlene, I you know where I fall, I'm like right in the middle because I have I have an iPad, I have which I have a ton of ebooks on there, and I have a Kindle, which I like reading at certain times. But I find myself, and I have books obviously behind me. There's a ton of them. But I Where's find my myself. Club? It's, it's over there. It's, oh. I'm looking at it right there. Creative <laughs> visualization right over there. <laughs> yeah, he's got it. But, but, you know, I find myself grabbing these books for different reasons. Like, I, when I was on vacation, I you know I tried taking the Kindle to hang out next to the pool, but I, it felt better having a physical book out there for some reason. But then when I'm home or I'm in Starbucks or whatever, I want my tablet, and I want to go through it that way. Is that what you're seeing at, at DPS or, or – you know or is your entire audience like it's all gotta be digital or nothing what do you
2: think? Well I mean I'll speak for DPS and then for myself and my site because we're similar but different. Um, You know my own personal preference is I I have a Kobo which is the Canadian version of a Kindle and Mm -hmm. we've traveled for extended period of time like 10 weeks at a time and you really don't want to haul books around so that's kind of the only way to go if you're you're an extended traveler you want to have it on a device. and most of the DPS products are digital. Like we don't have any physical products, and in a way, it it simplifies things because we don't have to deal with outside distributors or publishers or you know putting it on Amazon or having an ISBN or you know all of those things that I'm sure Rick's had to deal with. Um, and delivery is simple. You know, you buy it, you click your PayPal, you pay, and you get your book. There it is, right? Mm-hmm. So there's I think there's pros and cons, like you said, to both. Um, personally when I'm you know in bed reading I like to have my Kobo because I can turn the lights out and I can still read you know if my husband's gone to sleep and I'm not disturbing him you know Um, but you're right sometimes you just want to have a physical book in your hand and I think for me I prefer um, fiction books on paper um, but if I'm gonna look at like a book like Rick's with the beautiful big you know colorful pictures I think there's definitely a pro to having uh, something tactile that you can touch. You know, I've got a shelf full of of the big coffee table books and those are my pride possessions, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I wonder where all this stuff is going because, you know, you guys, you've probably seen the rumors from various typical news sources about what Apple's gonna do next and the big rumor uh, one of their future products might be a larger iPad, right? So like a pro level iPad and I wonder what that's gonna do to this industry again. I mean, is it gonna shift like Rick, from your perspective, is it gonna shift how you look at books? Because now, instead of your book showing up, I'm looking for my iPad, and instead of your book showing up on a like an iPad mini or a regular iPad, right. now it can be in its full glory on what presumably a giant retina display that you carry around with you.
0: Well actually I think some of the pictures look better on the on the iPad in the mm-hmm. book because mm-hmm. that's projected art and this is reflected art so if I'm looking at my book now and you know I have these fluorescent lights over which as you know kills the reds the pictures and there's like some reflections on it looks different than on the you know the retina screen like you say like on my iPad or you can look at it on a computer too so I I think one of the reasons why people buy books uh, and especially it's like an impulse buy sometimes we were talking about this last time we talked uh, you know a couple of weeks ago that if, if I do a book signing People, tons of people buy books and they could have bought the books before but they buy them there cuz it's like a, it's an impulse buy uh, and i think people want a piece of the presenter so if you get a book you feel like you have a piece of of the author right yeah. and it, it also i think it makes it real like i have garage band on my on my uh, on my computer here but i also have like a real guitar and a real piano <laughs> right?
1: yeah 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 it's different modes of learning yeah it's it's interesting you say that cuz yeah, you're right. Because if you go to some seminar or some workshop or you whatever, yeah, they could. I could see the difference, right? And Darlie, I would love you to chime in on this because you could see the difference. So presenters on stage, he finishes and says, you know, hey, you download my book <laughs> at, at the back of the room or in the front of the room, wherever. There's my book. You can buy it 50% off, whatever. People are gonna rush the stage versus if he puts up a slide that says, hey, I, you want an ebook? You know, it's. You know, whatever 24.95, yeah. 49.95. Here's a coupon code for 50% off. I wonder how many people would convert versus you know one or the other. What, well, do, you, what do you think?
2: It's interesting you say that because I actually have a survey um, that I did of my readers before we came out with our, our online courses because mm-hmm. people learn in in different ways, right, in different modalities, right. And so especially if you're doing a how-to book. Um, people get their information and prefer to learn in different ways. So I asked them what they preferred: a digital ebook, physical printed book, or an online course. So an online course was 54 percent, digital book was 15.5 percent, and ebook was five. Or sorry, digital book so 15.5, and a physical book 5.5 percent. So in terms of of learning, um, maybe that's a specific topic, like we did a portrait course. 5.5% physical book.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's
0: interesting. That it is really be,
2: interesting. It so might that,
0: depend on the topic, like, yeah. you know, Photoshop. You want to learn Photoshop or Lightroom, I think online is absolutely the way to go. Right.
1: Yeah, because you can it show and tell, right? And Rick, you guys, both of you guys remember, remember the era of publishing when everything was a Bible, right? The Illustrator Bible, the Photoshop right. Bible, and you get this big thick book and yeah. you, that you never read. It became a reference, and by the time you get around to reading it, it's like, oh, I'm two versions behind there, so I got to toss that. You know, you don't even want to give it to a library, right? right? So, you know, so now, now we're in a in a generation. I think I think we're, we're. I think I'm answering my own question because I think for these technical books, like Darlene, like you said, for these technical books, digital makes a lot of sense when it's like step one, step two, you know, all this stuff, because that information changes all the time. But when it moves into more fiction or or you know artistic and, and inspirational yeah you want like Rick said you want the physical physical book I don't know like for me when I'm when I look at this stuff what I would like to have Rick I would love to have three like to use Darlene's word modalities I want I want an ebook I want a physical book and I want audio because and I want them all to sync up this is in my world right <laughs> hey, I, want, yeah. I want I want to listen to the audio when I'm on a commute and then pick up on the ebook in bed when I'm laying you know, laying there and I'm going through it. And then somehow I want it to sync to my paper version. I don't know how that's going to work.
0: Well, I think that actually I, I'm writing a book that has a photography book that has no pictures in it. Oh. And it's it's a story of this. Uh, it starts out these people are on safari and they're just talking about. It's kind of like, did you see uh, Bridges of Madison County with Clint Eastwood? He's a photographer.
1: I've so like, seen remember, that many, many well, decades ago.
0: Well, he's a he's a, a National Geographic photographer. It's a it's a romantic story, and you learn stuff in it. But this you'd really learn a lot about. It would force you to really think. So I'm thinking of doing this next. So you may get your wish.
1: <laughs> you know, I think that's awesome. You know, like especially Darlene with ebooks, Do you guys get a demand for people that just want the audio version? Because with Audible.com, I find myself looking when I'm on Amazon I'm looking for the ebook version first for a lot of titles especially if it's like a marketing title I don't want to read through it and you know get tired I want it to be like like the Matrix dumped into my brain, <laughs> I want to know it. <laughs>
2: um, not not so much because I I mean like Rex said a lot of the how to stuff you kind of need to see you know diagrams and what the aperture is doing and what the picture looks like when you you know so you need to see stuff right mm-hmm. um, when you're in a visual medium. But there's also something else like a, you know I to use my word again the modalities is um, people have a preference for. How they take information in, right? Like I don't know if you've done any um, research or learning. It's called neuro linguistic programming, right? Mm-hmm. And you're either auditory, visual, or kinesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're auditory, you like to hear things. If you're visual, you need to see things. And if you're kinesthetic, you got to touch it, right? Yeah. So your kinesthetic people are your are your you know paper book people. Your auditory people are your your audibles, and then your um, your visuals are your your ebooks, right?
1: Yeah, I have multiple multiple modality disorder then because I want <laughs> <laughs> <there
2: you
1: go. laughs> I want all those things at different times depending on my mood. So let let's segue the conversation into money here, right? And and again, both of you are the perfect people to be talking about this um, from different perspectives. Rick, you first. So when the photographer is listening to this and they're like, you know what? One day, I feel like I'm gonna I want to I'll feel like I've made it if I write a book and I have an ISBN number and I'm in Barnes and Nobles. So that means I've made it, right? So I'm shooting for that. Is that still a viable goal to be shooting towards having a book on the shelf?
0: Well, above all, I think a book is a great call in card. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I I do I do a lot of trade-offs. So if I want to, like, uh, do a safari to Africa, if I send them, you know, a code to download an ebook. you know, they may not say, you know, you know, come on over, we'll give you the the, the free trip or whatever. But yeah. if I send them the book, autographed, you know, to them, and I sh- sh- show them, you know, what I'm going to do for them and all this other stuff. I mean, having a book That's is, weird. I think, it's a fantastic calling card, and published by someone else because you could publish it, you know, on uh, Blurb or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. talking about making it, you got to, you got to. What I would encourage authors to do is to try to get their name. I don't know if you can see this, but you do a book. Can you see? You get yeah, your Ray name. Yeah. yeah, you get the name above the title. Oh, look at that. You get I your like name that. above the title. That's So I have to negotiate with the uh, publishers. I think
1: I may now. change the name of Twip to Frederick Van Johnson's Twip.
0: See, there you go. <laughs> <It> <laughs> you know? It took a while. This is my 36th book. I think it
1: had oh, at
0: at about... Uh, about twenty-six. I started to realize that,
1: but what wow. it is a good, you know. But what's the reason? What's the like the is it is it an SEO thing or is it just well, a perception thing? It's a perception thing. Okay.
0: You know, it's definitely a perception thing. It's it's the same book. But yeah. I would encourage people if you have an idea, you know, I have this uh, blog post. I think you're going to have a link for it, twelve tips for writing a how-to book. Yeah. Uh, and I corrected a typo in the, in the tip number twelve. So thank you very much, my friend. %uh so. <laughs> I think it's a, just a great calling card, and don't and never give up, yeah. because I all my I have out of the 36 books I think I have about seven different publishers because not every publisher wants the book. It's about well, give one. us
1: give us give us an indication of revenue. I mean, without without going into specifics or disclosing anything personal, like if someone's looking at re- writing a book and say that it's their first time out, their first time author. Most of us know the flow is if you sign a book deal with a publisher, there's generally. Depending on who you are and your negotiation skills, maybe in advance and then you get a percentage a percentage of future earnings. Right. If if someone signs a book deal these days, say they have a significant or a relatively decent following online, are they gonna be buying their Tesla in a couple months? Or you know, I what do you think? Or a cup of coffee to put in no. No,
0: you you could buy a Tesla but it just like you could buy, you know, a Volkswagen bus that you know, it just won't <laughs> be the real one. Okay. So you could buy the mini Tesla. But I I would say honestly, the book advances today depending on who you are and your following. Your social media following means a lot, as you know. It could be between you know to twenty five hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Wow. So that's an advance, but that's against royalties. So you could, then you have to say you got twenty thousand. Then you have to, you know, sell enough books to make that twenty thousand.
1: And what if you don't sell enough books to make that twenty thousand? Do they come after you? No. Okay. No. So, it's but short.
0: if you do another book, and sometimes that's in the contract too, they could take away sales from the first book. Say oh. the say the second book is doing well, but they're they're going to take
1: the some advance away from the first book. So you don't have to but be in the contract. You have to read that contract.
0: You have to be a really good business person to do this, and the rights, and the this, and the that, and like I think with this book, they, you know, you can't use this x amount of material, like more than x amount of times, or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't that's
0: remember cool. what that is, but it's you really, you're motivated to promote the book. Yeah, and that's then, the, that's and the then thing,
2: right? They
1: want you to push it out there.
0: And then, depending on how many copies you buy, you get a discount. You know, if I buy like ten copies, they may give it to me at like, you know. You know, twenty uh, percent off. But if mm-hmm. I buy five hundred copies, they may give me sixty percent off. So if they give me sixty percent off and I go so, so, uh, so have a book signing, then I can make some you know decent money. Yeah. You know, money. Well,
1: See, so you need to write a book on this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have a blog post on it, uh, but I should Does write. You, it's you like, cover I all
1: that in the in the twelve tips. Well, I I think
0: I have. I don't have the, the stuff about the advance in there, but. Uh, you know, I have some stuff like know your competition. Knowing mm-hmm. your competition is really important. Uh, what are some of the other ones? Uh, let your personality shine through. You know, yeah. everybody knows what I know, right? Yeah. About zoomorphic images uh, or you know, isomorphic images and all these things I talk about with the creative visualization. But you have to make it fun. Uh, for someone like me, I like to make it fun. So you have to let your personality shine through. That's why people, a lot of people say, hey, it sounds like you're talking.
1: Yeah, With, and that's the key, right? Yeah, I well, love
0: it. I think for some people,
1: like when I read your books, Rick, I hear I hear your accent, your New York kind of accent in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. The Godfather accent is yeah. reading to me as I read the book. So, but see, if
0: I have the audio version, you and I, we we really can't divulge this on on Twitter. But you and I know the guy who could do a great job reading this book.
1: Oh yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> he'd love it. All right, we'll talk about that later. Darlene, let's talk money on, on the ebook side of things, you know, versus you know, the like we, we discussed with Rick on the on the physical book publishing side of things, tra- traditional book publishing, there's that advance and then you you know, it's against royalties and like Rick said, it could be anywhere from twenty five hundred to twenty grand. What do the mechanics look like on the ebook publishing side of things?
2: Um, now I will give you a caveat that I am not the right person to ask because I'm not in charge of that with DPS. That would be Jasmine, um, mm-hmm. but I, I, I am in the know of some information. Um, generally, how we work with our writers is it's a mutual agreement and it's a revenue split. Um, okay. Yeah, it's either a revenue split or it's the author is paid you know x number amount of an advance like Rick said up front. Um, And then they get a a smaller revenue split later on. So it's, it, it really depends on the contract. Um, Yeah. But I can tell you that, you know, the the eBooks is the largest source of income that DPS has of of all the things that we do. Right. So on DPS, there's, um, you know, Amazon links. So we get affiliate money from that. There's um, uh, ads and things. We do AdSense and other ads and by far away, the eBooks are the biggest sellers.
1: So one. why wouldn't one of these contributing ebook people that are that are putting ebooks on DPS? Why wouldn't they just say, you know what, revenue sh- revenue split? I don't want any of that. I'm going to write it myself and put it on whatever you know, and put a little PayPal link the on. We got seven it
2: million eyeballs a month. They don't.
1: The audience, right? Yeah, so it's all about the audience in the end, and for both sides, right, Rick? So seven well, million eyeballs on an ebook versus seven million eyeballs on a physical book. Still seven million eyeballs in a percentage actually, of those people. Actually,
2: it'd be fourteen million eyeballs because everybody has two eyeballs. So, oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but only one brain, Darlene Hildebrand. <laughs> no, but no. that's true.
0: that's why you want a real book publisher because they have distribution around the world, yeah. and then you make a few extra bucks when it's translated into other languages. Yeah. So with all the with
1: the publishers that you've dealt with Rick over time, how have they been? You know, notwithstanding the, your current publishers, but you know, in the past, have the publishers come through on that promotion side for you? Not on the promotion side. I mean,
0: no. it, it's it's been up to me. Yeah. Uh, especially in the last, uh, I'd say, in the last ten years, because you know they have they have a million things to do. They're in business. You you would think that they would want to promote it more. Right, because mm-hmm. the more they promote it, but you know, as only said, I, I have more greater visibility than like uh, any of my publishers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so so it's up to me, but yeah. they do work out deals like with the international uh, with the with the reprints in foreign languages.
1: Yeah. Interesting. This whole thing is interesting, you know, I, and I'm happy to hear that that print publishing is not dead, at least on the book side. We've been we've been for the last geez six, five years or so, we've been talking about newspaper publishing going down the tubes. And it's still hanging on, right? It's still around. So I'm just gonna get a book and show you. So just keep 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 that. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right. While he's getting that, darling, I'm gonna transition us into um, education, like modern photography and photography education. You see this this note that we put in the notes here. what do you think? so in terms of overall education? When I when I talk to people, and I have Rick talk talk about this too. When I talk to people, and they're like, okay, you know, how do you get better as a photographer? My knee jerk response is always know the basics of light, you know, exposure, shutter speed, what f stops do, and how they affect your overall exposure. Understand compensation and all that stuff, or not, or not compensation, but um, uh, composition and just the basics of photography. In modern photography, is per, this article that we're going to point to in the show notes? This person is talking about how it's failing people in terms of the basics, somewhat, but on the on the long term, it's the business side of things. Do you see that too, from your perspective, Darlene?
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. And I actually have a unique perspective because I went to a college probably not unlike what he went to, and um, mine was not recent. So I don't know if I want to date myself or not, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm going back 27 years. And it was exactly like what the um, author described in the article, which is we were taught how we could light the crap out of anything, right? We could light a ball bearing or a bottle of wine or, um, you know, a person and pose a person and compose the heck out of it. Uh, But we knew nothing about business. We had a business class that was literally a joke. And we had an accounting class that was kind of a joke. And um, nobody really wanted to go to them. And I think just to put part of the onus back on the student is again I can only speak for myself but mm-hmm. we were young and, and arrogant and, you know, we thought we know everything and we were gonna get out of school and own the world and all these things. And lo and behold, you know, life happens and you you get a, a kick in the head and you realize, okay, I gotta I don't know everything. Um, and I think in hindsight, you know even if they offered those kinds of classes, it's possible that the students really wouldn't pick up on it, you know, because they want to learn the fun stuff. They want to learn how to do photography and Photoshop and and make pretty pretty art pictures, right? And they don't want to sit in the classroom and learn business because they're not in business school. However, um, I get I teach adult classes and um, on some weekends and things, and through my website, I get a lot of questions. And in fact, I just did an article on whether going pro is right for you or not. Maybe I'll give it to you in the show notes.
0: Yes, please
2: because I I actually chatted with one of my DPS writers who is an amateur and he writes for us even though he's not a pro Um, and he shot a wedding and and we just chatted about you know his decision not to go professional as a photographer and keep his day job because sometimes that can actually be beneficial and you keep your passion alive versus uh, I tell people that the business of photography is 90 percent business and 10 percent photography so if you want to do business Go into business as a photographer. If you want to do photography, stay an amateur. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of truth to what the author said about you know needing to learn business to to be successful because that's what's going to make or break you in this industry for sure. Yeah,
1: right 100% agree. Rick, you went and grabbed something. What did you go get? Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I, I have something to say about that too. But just to talking about the different publishing, uh, diff, you know, getting the foreign language editions. I don't know whether this is Korean, Japanese, or Chinese, but here's one of my books. Called face to face.
1: Oh yeah, look at that. That looks kind of Chinese. That looks, looks Japanese to me, that actually. Looks
0: Japanese. That that was uh, exploring the light. Actually, here's face to face. That so looks good. Nice. You know, any any listeners out there who can like, uh, you know, get? I have actually three copies of these books. But it's kind of fun to look through this. You know, and see and see the the type there. So yeah. anyway, that's one thing you have to think about when you think about your audience, and it's for ebooks too, because I have a lot of ebooks You yeah. want to? You don't want to think? You know. Who in who in uh you know the United States is going to buy it? Only you want to think about who around the world is going to buy this. because right. China is just plan. an amazing, amazing market.
1: So so Rick, to continue on this, what we were talking about the 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 idea of modern photography education failing its students, and what Darlene was saying specifically from the standpoint of business, you know, like she went through school uh, three or four years ago and <laughs> and she found that. The business side of things was severely lacking. You're an educator. Do you do you see that as well? It depends on the school. I I won't name the school. I
0: I gave a presentation at a very very well known photography school, very well known. So I asked the director, what percentage of your students go off to be professional photographers? And he said, without blinking an eye, ten percent. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm down at a Daytona State Community College speaking there. The kids are so enthusiastic. The other one was a private school. Um, down there the kids are so so enthusiastic at Daytona they have such a high success rate and they, I was actually down there you know teaching business and they put a focus on that so you know Darlene what she said is exactly right about the 90 percent. I was at a party the other day and my son was there and uh, someone says, "What do you do?" I said, "I'm a photographer." And he says, "Dad, you're not a photographer. You're an entrepreneur who happens to be a photographer."
1: There you go. Right?
0: So the, the the you you look at you know Joe now you look at uh, Jay Mazel you look at all these people who are successful. They're all very good business people.
1: Yeah, and that's it. I mean, so is the solution for these schools like the the unmentionable school that you're referring to? Should they should they front load? Business courses and like you know, eat your vegetables before you get to the state kind of thing. Well, this
0: school is a private school. It costs a lot of money, and I think a lot of people, the parents send the kids there, or people go there. You know, I think you know, what Darlene said—they—they are they're more interested in saving the world with their art, you know, which is an admirable goal, and a lot of people can do that. But for the, if you want to survive, you know, yeah, you, you yeah. have to focus every day. On the business. I know so many great photographers who are not good business people. Right. They have to close their studio, they have to do something else.
1: Right. I mean it is business, it's not only just business, that's kind of the overall umbrella, but it's underneath that business umbrella there's the marketing, there is the accounting, all the business structure, understanding that piece of it you know outbound communications, all that stuff you have to understand and like Darlene was saying then you can get to the little bit that's the creative piece of it
2: you, well you, and I was gonna say that don't don't forget about the dirty s-word Frederick which is sales right Um, how many photographers do you know and if you ask them in a room full of full of them they'll say they hate doing sales and that that's typical of you know somebody who's creative they they feel like you know because they're selling themselves and it's very personal and they're not good at that and they don't feel good at that and you know what rick said is the ones that That Excel are good at business, good at marketing, and good at sales. And I actually really enjoy sales, and so Mm -hmm. I was good at that. Um, You know, I was as a rep for an album company for nine years, so I did sales, right? So I have a lot of experience in that. And when my students ask me, you know, what is the one thing I need to learn? To, to go into business or where should I go to to better my photography before I open my own business and I'll tell them, you know, it's not another photography class. You don't need a new lens. You need to learn how to do sales and you need to learn how to do business. And if you're not good at those things, you better find a partner real fast.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like they say, I mean what do you guys do you do you agree with the idea that if you are a a mediocre photographer, but an excellent marketer and salesperson, you're going to do well. But Absolutely. if you are an excellent photographer and you suck at marketing and sales, you're going to starve. Is
2: Absolutely. That...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sad, Percep- but...
0: Perception is everything. Yeah. You know, they, someone did a poll like years ago. They, they they were trying to find out who the average American thought was the most famous photographer, right? And you mm-hmm. never guess. So I want to ask you, even Asim Kutcher. What? what really? Because <laughs> he had the beard, he's in the camera ad, right? They thought he was the most famous photographer.
1: Oh man, yeah, I yeah, I was thinking of another photographer whose name starts with A and ends in Adams, but right, I
2: right. that's where I was going. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, guys
2: like like Kenny Rogers, right? He's actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brian Adams, you know, so these Brian Adams, are very good. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy world we live in. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss some learning resources for photographers and where they can go online to uh, get their fill of pixels and learning. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to FreshBooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before... We use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, Freshbook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know sort of messing with our creative juices with Freshbooks you can invoice clients it's easy you can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger you're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff you can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone you can bi- whip up business reports you can stay on top of your income expenses and tax time is coming up so with a couple of clicks you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo All right, we're back. We're gonna dive right into this next segment. That's photography learning resources. In the notes here, I put, you know, things to talk about. First of all, there's podcasts, obviously, that you can learn from, and YouTube, which I I'm on YouTube all the time, learning different techniques. So it's like a never-ending trough of learning resources up there. but then there's like more polished learning resources available like Creative Live and Kelby and Linda. We've got the Arcanum what the Trey Radcliffe has out there, Photoshop Cafe, Engage Live, it goes on and on and on. <clears throat> all these different things that we have out there. What's Darlene, what's a photographer to do <laughs> when <laughs> we see all this stuff out there? We' like, you know what? And plus there's books, you know, there's, there's so many ways or modalities to learn this stuff. How do you choose how do you pick a horse to ride?
2: Well, I'm going to take a different approach to this question because um, I'm, I'm fairly new and I'm going to say in the last three years to the the blog world right mm-hmm. and so when I was learning about blogging and and WordPress and all this kind of stuff I was reading like 20 blogs right and I tried to keep up to all this stuff and I was following this guy and that guy and what ended up happening is that they all say different things, they have different advice, and often it conflicted, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was just getting confused. So what I ended up doing was I found a guy that I really liked what he's had to say. Um, he wasn't fake. He was just a real dude. He wasn't blowing, you know, sunshine up here, you know what? Um, telling you that it's gonna be all great and sunshine and roses and you'll make a billion dollars. He says no, it's gonna be hard work, and this is what you gotta do, and I'll outline it step by step for you. So I followed him. And it's taken me to have some, some success with my website and my blog. And I would say that I would, t- I would advise people to do the same thing. Um, p- find somebody whose teachings you enjoy, whether it's me or Rick or uh, the resources on DPS. You know, we have mm-hmm. fairly consistent writers there as well. Find somebody that you enjoy, their style of writing, like Rick said, their personality, and, and just follow and absorb everything that they put out and start there.
1: So start with the personality, and then look at and find out where they're teaching, and go there instead of starting with the, the the learning resource and finding a person there. Rick, so you, you, so Rick, you you agree with that? I mean, is that the is that the right way to go? Yeah, I think you just search around, like YouTube, like you said,
0: YouTube's amazing, and yeah. I think people search YouTube maybe first for stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I play piano, and I just put a little thing together. Uh, so it took about a day to do it and so I had to make a uh, boring chord sound beautiful I won't go into how to do it but it's my most popular out of all the videos my photography videos from the Maasai Mara and Myanmar it's my most popular video because people search, so I never promoted it but they found that thousands of people want to learn how to turn boring chords into beautiful chords yeah so okay. you give I think for, for um, content you know people who produce content Putting free stuff on YouTube is really important. Like I do have a lot of uh, free YouTubes from me 24 Hours on the Mara, and you know I did some stuff for Trey, as you mentioned before. My father says, he says, how can you give away so much stuff for free? I said, the more you give away for free, you know, the more followers you get, the more you make, and someone may buy a book or an app or come on a workshop or come to a seminar or uh, buy a plugin where you get the affiliate program or, or whatever. It's all yeah. tied together.
1: Yeah, we're in the attention economy still right and the the more eyeballs you have the more influence you have over those eyeballs so yeah yeah I don't know Darlene do you what about YouTube I mean do you for me YouTube is like Rick was saying it's like okay at the top of when I'm looking for something to do the first place I go to learn how to do it is YouTube and then I kind of my the, my learning kind of hierarchy is I go to YouTube I can't find there. I'll, I'll go f- go someplace else, but if I'm trying to learn something deep, like Premiere Pro CC 2015, I'm going to Lynda. You know, I'm gonna go dive into Lynda.com and like take a course, you know, and get up to speed on it. If I want to learn something specific, like how this crazy title tool works in Premiere, I'm gonna go to YouTube to learn that. Is that is that fair? Is that a fair way to be looking at this stuff?
2: Um, yeah, I would say I follow a similar path. Um, I, I don't use Lynda as much. Uh, I, I've bought a few Creative Live courses, and mm-hmm. I find them really helpful because, especially for somebody, if you're on a budget, right, they can go watch it live for free. That's yeah. why it's live, Creative Live. And then if you find the the information is valuable or you missed a part of it, you know, they give you a, a discount to buy it within the first, you know, 72 hours or whatever. Um, It's interesting because the conference that I mentioned I was at in Portland a couple weeks ago, Chase Jarvis was there, and he gave everybody in the audience $150 gift certificate to Creative Live. And I'm going to use mine on a non-photography course, believe it or not. (laughs) It's actually the psychology of people, and it's really interesting, but guess what? It's related to... Business again, right? So it's the mm-hmm. psychology of um, business and how people relate to you and how they trust you. And uh, I'll ask both of you this question because you're both, you know, teachers and speakers. Mm-hmm. What part of the body do you think people look at to determine your first impression? Their first body
1: language. Body language, I right know. But,
2: but which what, part of the body?
1: To determine the first impression, yeah. uh, probably, probably your hands. Okay. I'm gonna go with eyes.
2: Rick nailed it.
1: It's not i because I'm Italian.
2: Yes. Oh. It's hard. Really. Really. Yeah, when, I, when I give
0: a talk, that's the first thing I do. I say, "Thank you guys so much for being here."
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean? So, what like if if you don't speak with your hands and you're kind of like crossed hands
2: are down like this under a desk, like if you're meeting with somebody, um, I can give you this lady's website. It's actually really interesting. Like I said, it's all psychological stuff and she's done studies on this where um if they a a, a Inmate is up for parole and they sit with their hands, or a defense, um, you know, a person's in the courtroom as a defender and their hands are under the table, they're far more likely to be um, committed and, and uh, found guilty than if their hands are above the table. And they did wow. a, a comparison of TED talks on the same topic of people that had more hand gestures in their videos than less hand gestures, and they got watched like two times more. Um, the one that that she used as an example was Simon Sinek's and there was another guy that did the exact same topic. He's got like twenty thousand views, and Simon Sinek got like twenty-five million, and they were almost exactly the same content.
1: That's amazing. Well, I know if I ever get if I ever get in trouble with the law and I'm in court. I'm doing jazz hands the entire time <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, it's
2: bad the other way
1: <laughs> but, you know, well, don't this... do jazz hands or do jazz
2: hands no don't do jazz hands
0: <laughs> but this is really important actually you know we are we're, 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 we're laughing about this but this is really important like when I give a talk the first thing I wrote list the requirements and one is a wireless mic right and I need a table where I could see my uh, computer cause I'm always walking around Mm-hmm. I get presentations from nine o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon and you're, you know you always tease me about my age but I could still do this <laughs> but I'm, yeah. and I'm always walking I walk through the whole thing yeah but yeah. Uh, something related to the hands and everything and you know about books one of the best books I ever read is emotional intelligence by Daniel Goleman and people who succeed in life definitely have There's a high percentage of people who succeed who have Emotional intelligence and intellectual intelligence. What is it like? Mean? What is emotional? Well, intelligence? Like what Jan was saying, you have to perceive what 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 people like. You you have to know what if you might hurt someone's feelings. You have to be aware of everyone in the room. Like uh, like I'm not going to make a political joke if I'm you know someplace, or you know I'm not going to you know talk about guns or or whatever. You have mm-hmm. to be so too. You have to be so aware of you know your body language what you say your inflection uh your enthusiasm mm-hmm. and another thing that's really important when you're talking actually one of the things that's really effective when i am giving a speech is this being quiet for a couple of seconds like that i see a smile so all these things but emotional intelligence might be one of the best books uh i've ever he he came up with a follow on follow up yeah. but
1: that that's great i mean that's a really great point i've read that too and that's that's hard to do you know like the silence piece of it because for me when I'm public speaking, there's that inherent nervousness and my brain wants to fill in every blank. That's why you say uh and you know and like and all these and so yeah, exactly all, all these crutches that you use because your brain says, if there's dead air, that's wrong. you got to fill up every spot out there and you're saying, Insert some dead air from time to time.
0: Well, I, I give this talk on uh, creative visualization, and in this book, I mention this uh, this book by uh, it's called uh, Color and Vision. It's by the guy who wrote uh, Dinotopia. Forget his name right now. But anyway, he says that, and I say this in this big room. I say, and you know Mon, you know Monet the painter. Mm-hmm. I say, and you know what, when Mo- Monet the painter made it big, when he learned how to paint air. So I leave that little silence in there, and the people are amazed that Monet could paint there. If uh, so, it was opposed to you know Monet was amazing. He learned how to paint there. It's not yeah. the same. Yeah. So, wow. this is a so can this I take this back in... to
2: education for a second? Yeah. Please. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it was interesting though that the pause thing because the pause that Rick just did in the public speaking thing isn't that kind of like negative space in our photographs? Yeah.
1: That's you know, exactly um, right.
2: Yep. And, and the education thing, I was going to say, kind of to, to summarize. Okay, where do we go to learn? Um, you know, ultimately, I don't think there is a single source, and there's so many places. Like like I said, um, but don't limit yourself to just photography resources either. I've just mentioned, you know, uh, a resource, and Rick's just mentioned a resource. So expand your knowledge, because I think to be a better photographer, you have to be a more well-rounded person. That's a strong belief that I have as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Good stuff. We could do a whole show on just that topic, you know, because, Darlene, I'm going to pick your brain later about the whole NLP thing because I'm, I'm into that, too. That's, uh, that's some crazy stuff. All right, guys, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to answer some, a question from one of our listeners. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online training platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, just visit lynda.com slash twip. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-W-I-P. Now, lynda.com is for problem solvers, creative people, or just people who wanna make things happen. Maybe you wanna master Excel or learn negotiation tactics or build a website or even boost your Photoshop skills. Just go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. Lynda.com offers a ton of courses on Lightroom, Photoshop, and the Adobe Creative Cloud, and many on just getting inspired or re-inspired about your photography. With a Lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, and you can stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn at your own schedule. And courses are structured so that you can watch them from start to finish, or you can consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can even download tutorials and watch them on the go from your iOS or Android device. Your Lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, visit lynda.com twip and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's l-y-n-d-a.com slash twip. All right, it is time for some Q&A. This week's question is from Richard. Richard says, I want to try photographing silhouettes can you provide me with any tips on how to make great silhouette photos Darlene you have some tips on that I have a feeling you might have one I, or two I
2: do I actually um, you mentioned Erica Thornis earlier um, or love... we talked about her off off the air yep. and I actually did an interview with her on my website I'd be happy to share the link with it and she yes. gave three fabulous tips For making silhouette photography, here uh, I don't know if I can do a screen share, uh, but her she said her three keys because she does amazing silhouettes is to have a low camera angle. You want to get down low, right, so that the body is separated from the horizon, right, so that the sky dominates and the light source is behind them. Mm -hmm. You need separation of body parts, right? So if they're got their arms and legs together, they look like a blob. But your elbows out, you need to have that separation, right?
1: Negative space in there.
2: Yep. Yeah, some space, you know, legs apart and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a couple, you want to make sure that they're not all sort of mushed together, right? Like the, the typical movie pose with the foot up or something that's, you know, nice. A lady in a skirt so you can see which is a lady, which is the man, that type of thing. And then lastly, exposed for the sky so that the sky is rich and dark and it's not overexposed. So you got no blinkies in your, in your histogram. But I'm happy to put a link to that and you can see uh, Erica's fabulous images on that as well.
1: Yeah, definitely give us a link to that, and also I want to mention uh, Jan Kabili interviewed Erica on for her show on this on a This Week in Photo network um, a couple of weeks ago, in, and the topic was silhouettes, obviously, because Erica's the, clearly the expert in that, but she also, she also gave Jan a, a pack of presets to give away for free. I think there's like three or four presets in there that folks can download for free. And I know you, Darlene, have some presets out there, too, right?
2: Well, they are coming soon. Um, I believe this is, as the time this goes out, they'll be out in about a week and a half or so. They're going to be released August 10th. Um, However, I'll put a link in the show notes. If people want to sign up now, they can get on an early bird list because there's going to be two sets. I haven't finished the second one yet, but if they buy them as the early bird list, they'll actually get both sets for the price of one, and then they'll be notified when they're available as well.
1: Very cool. I have a feeling Rick has probably written about silhouettes from time to time in 37 books he's got out there. (laughs) (laughs) Those those are all really
0: good tips that Darlene gave, uh, you know, basically having the clear background. But I just give uh, one, if if you want to recognize the person, and I think this is maybe the most important thing in the silhouette, if you want to recognize the person in the silhouette, you have to have the person looking, you know, at the same angle as the sensor because if yeah. you're looking you know if you're photographing me like this I'm a silhouette you're not going to know who that I could be Frederick Van Johnson with the short with a shorter haircut right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if if I'm like this you'll you'll be able to recognize it and if yeah. you're in a, if you're in a studio or if you're just in your house you have a white wall to shine the flash on the white wall right and that would should silhouette the subject if you're underexposed you could also gel the flesh, put a little gel over it, like, the, uh, like in the early iPod commercials. Remember, they had the person. Those those are nice silhouettes. Yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah, have the person uh, looking, you know, off it makes a big difference.
1: Fun stuff. So many cool things to do. I mean, like, just, isn't it weird? Like, it's so cool that just the one little topic of silhouettes is so deep. Like, as, as a photographer, people people get that whole analysis paralysis disease where they get this new gear, and they go out, and they're like, okay, I don't know what to shoot, but I have $3,000 worth of gear. I don't know what to shoot. If you give yourself one one topic like silhouettes and just drill into it and have fun with it and beat it to death, you'd be surprised at what you come up with, right? Well, I've been around a while and in nineteen seventy-eight I was
0: the editor of Studio Photography Magazine. Oh. and at that point I learned that where the word silhouette came from.
1: Do tell her.
0: There was tell. a count. No, we've got to save it for the next show. In France, there was a. <laughs> in France, this is before they had, you know, photographs and papers. There was a, the Count Silhouette. He was a treasurer, and he was caught stealing money. So th- they depicted this Count Silhouette as a very shady character. So that became known as a silhouette.
1: Oh wow! See that? Aww. Look at that! See a wealth of information. Sure. I, love I love it. Cool. All right. Well, listeners, if you'd like a question for us to tackle in the show, just visit us at thisweekinphoto.com and click on that "Submit a Question" link to send us your question. Or you can even leave us a voice message coming up after the break we're going to share our picks of the week this episode of twip is brought to you by panasonic lumix cameras and the new lumix g7 4k mirrorless interchangeable lens camera this hybrid camera puts the power of 4k video and photography into the hands of all of us Hybrid is when you mix stills and video and now with the 4K photo features built into the Lumix G7, you can turn your 4K videos into high resolution photos with just the touch of the screen. And because the camera can record 4K at up to 30 frames per second, you'll never miss a photo moment ever again. And with its groundbreaking depth from defocusing technology, you'll achieve super fast track focusing that rivals some of the best DSLRs in the world. And add to this that the camera is controllable from a smartphone app and you end up with a camera that's changing photography for all of us. Find out more about this new camera over at LumixLounge.com and follow at LumixUSA on Twitter for updates. All right, guys, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment. Remember, your pick can be anything to recommend to the TWIP Army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Darlene Hildebrandt, what is your Pick of the Week?
2: All right. Well, I already mentioned my uh, my own Lightroom presets that are coming out. So my my pick of the week is actually going to be something that's free, which I know people love, right? That's a good price. Yes. Um, and I've ha- I've I've recommended this program before. It's called Star Stacks. It's S T A R S T A X, and I taught a night photography class out in the Oregon, in the middle of the Oregon forest, like literally where we're talking dark sky they turned all the lights out for us we had optimal conditions for stars and star trails we got the Milky Way and uh, myself and two of my diehard students we spent an hour doing bracketed shot you know shooting the time-lapse thing and um, interval shots and we did some star trails and uh, it's just a really fun program to just throw your your star trail shots in it processes them for you like that and uh, I've done light trails like car trails with it as well and it's super easy you don't even need Photoshop Make Star Trails. Boom.
1: Love it. I want to read that because I, you know, that's one thing I've never done. Star Trails or I've never done the two things on my list um, that relate to the sky is Star Trails and getting some amazing shots of the Milky Way. I haven't done that yet. Or well, the Aurora. I haven't, I haven't I have even shot article. the Aurora Borealis. You know? I have
2: an article that's coming out um, as we're recording this in two days so when this show is out it'll be live and I put a, I'll put a link in the show for you so you can. I'll even give you my images Frederick because that's 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 just how I roll. I'm giving everybody my images so that they can download them and plug, plug them in the program and try it themselves.
1: Oh sweet. Cool. See it's all about giving. See Rick, see what it you is. started. It is. <laughs> I love it. All right, thanks, Darlene. That's a that's a perfect. Very good. And uh, Rick Salmon, what's your pick? Well, my pick
0: is uh my new toy that I got just uh, last week. It's the Canon Five D S.
1: Oh no! Look at that. Okay. So it,
0: it is an amazing camera, but the files are so big, and uh, so it takes a you know it takes a. I, I'm used to like reviewing my pictures because, as you know, I'm a little hyper. So I can't review my pictures and want to shoot the HDR sequence, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But, you know, everything in photography, everything in life is a trade-off, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So yep. the,
0: the image quality is just just amazing.
1: But well, they are, they I, gotta, are I have to recommend that you, Rick, go check out the latest episode of All About the Gear. I saw um, that. Um, Someone did it. Uh, yeah, review, it just right? went live. It just went live today. So it was Doug Kay and uh, Gordon Lang. Review the Canon five so DS. And, and
2: do you have chips that have the two rows of of, uh, of contacts?
1: What is that? I don't even know what that this is. This
2: is it's um oh, what the heck do they call it? I don't even know what you call it. I all I know is that I went to WPVI and I went to the sand booth and I was showing the guy I had my Fuji X T one and the guy goes, you know, does it take forever to year for images to preview? I go, yeah. He goes, try this. He put this in my camera and the previews came up immediately, and I marched over to B&H, and I bought three of them. So that's all I know. <laughs>
1: really? And it, yeah. is it like, it's, okay, we got to look it, into it.
2: Um, it's a new technology, and the cameras have to be compatible with it, which the Fuji is, and I would guess that if that camera takes SD cards as well as yeah. CF cards, um, you can get because... it. I'm pretty. It says on here, HC2, you, I don't even know.
1: You gotta find Google that and give us a link. We gotta yeah. put that Yeah, all right.
2: I'll find it on B and can see why I ordered. There you go.
1: There you go. Perfect. Look it. at this. All right. Perfect pick of the week. All right, and um, I think that's it. So we're gonna we're gonna close off the show now. What's we're your just, pick of the week, Frederick? I don't have it. I was trying to sneak by without giving a pick of the <laughs> week. <laughs> thanks for outing me, Darlene. <laughs> I don't have a thing of the week this week. I have nothing to recommend this week. Uh, all right, I'll recommend one thing. This about- is something I, I've been experimenting with. Something I was gonna hold off, but I, since you put me, you know, in front of the spotlight, um, I did an interview with a guy with some the guys from a company called Live Portrait uh, last week. I think it was, and, and it went live today on this week in photo. But they do this. They do this free app. It's the coolest thing in the world. They do this free app that you put on your iPhone, and with their service, you marry an image up with a video. And then when you aim your photo, your camera, at the print or on screen or whatever, it overlays whatever the camera sees with the video. So it makes the video come alive, and it shows it in perspective, like augmented reality. So as you move the camera around, the video stays mapped to that surface. It's ridiculously cool. (laughs) I want to say that. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Go to thisweekofphoto.com. Uh, I, the I think it's Twip Talks episode 15. It's on the front page as this is recorded, but it'll probably way down in the flow uh, by the time you guys hear this. But yeah, definitely check it out. It's you know two guys that are, you know, they're young, they're hungry, they're experimenting with augmented reality as it applies to photography. One of their first commercial uses of the technology has been yearbooks. So. Imagine a yearbook where, you know, you open it up and the kids aim their, their smartphone at a print or one of the yeah. photos, and the photo just starts talking on the page. <laughs> it's just, it's the coolest thing in the world. So, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, right? So that's my pick of the Week, Darlene, putting me under the gun. <laughs> <laughs> Live portrait, put it in the show notes. All right, guys, uh, before we sign off, what's coming up? What's coming up in the coming months for you, Darlene?
2: Oh, what isn't? Uh, Well, okay, so launching my Lightroom presets in the next uh, couple weeks. And um, I'm going to be having a summer sale on my two existing courses, so my portrait lighting course. And um, it's more of a beginner course, four weeks to better photography. And then at the end of August, uh, my husband and I are off to Peru for two and a half weeks to... Scout, because we're going to be planning a new tour there for 2016. So we're going to be meeting with some guides and some charities and stuff, because we like to incorporate an element of giving. We talked about giving back, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we build that into our tours when we can. So that's what we're doing in the next month.
1: What happened to Cuba? No Cuba trip oh, this year? Oh, still
2: doing that. Yeah, still doing that. But we're we're adding all the time. So um, we have Nicaragua in November. We have Cuba in January. And um, we're going to be adding either Southeast Asia, like Cambodia, Vietnam, or um, still toying with destinations. But um, I have a connection for New Zealand as well, and Peru in the fall of 2016.
1: Wow, very cool! You're just cranking. Love it. I'm never home. Never home. (laughs) Never home. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Darlene. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure having you on the show.
2: Always fun. Yeah. Nice
1: to meet you, there. You too. All right. Rick Salmon, what about you, man? What do you have coming up?
0: Well, coming up, uh, going to Photoshop World.
1: Right? That's Are you going to come? a week or so, right?
0: It's in August. It starts uh, August something or other. I think August 10th
1: we're going there. I'm, I'm going to try to swing back through there uh, at the, at, because I'm going to be in Chicago until the 10th or the 11th. And Trey Radcliffe's doing a photo walk in Chicago on right. the 10th. So, I'm going to try to do that and then come back through there because I know Richard Harrington's having some sort of party for Photo Focus there. I want to go to. <laughs>
0: well, you should come. I mean, Photoshop World, you know, talk about learning. I, have a, I think I have, a, well, I just did two more classes for Kelby, Kelby one, one on getting motivated, staying inspired, and one on how to turn your house into a studio, your home into a studio. Oh, cool. Uh, so, I have 13 classes there, and they're all doing very well. But after that, we're going to Iceland. Uh, have you ever been to Telluride, Colorado?
1: No, I haven't, no.
0: There's, you should get invited as a speaker to tell you, both you guys, uh, Telluride Photo Fest. So I have we a workshop, T- Telluride Photo Fest. we got Cape Cod, uh, got a bunch of workshops. and uh, But the most important thing, my son is home for two weeks. Oh, that so, is cool. So yeah. we were, like, uh, we're doing a lot of fun. We went in our little canoe the other day. We're having a ton of fun. That's really cool. Well. And then I'm dri- then I'm driving him right after Photoshop World to uh, Chicago actually where you'll be uh, he's going for his PhD in finance at the uh, Northwest at Kellogg so wow wow so road a trip.
1: look at that that's crazy. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, like like I said with Darlene, it's always a pleasure having you on, Rick. Uh, oh, man, I you're the best. We're going to be working together much more because you're doing a show on the Twip Network, Digital Can't wait Photo to experience yeah. coming on.
0: Yep. Yes, we're Juan uh, Juan Pons and I are so happy uh, to be uh, moving over there with you. You got like you're attracting. You're like a magnet, right? You're on like Twitter. a magnet tracking the best.
1: I'm uh, trying to be like Jupiter, man. I'm just increasing
0: my <laughs> gravity, you know. <laughs> good, good for you. Good for you. You're a new planet.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, Jupiter is a gas giant, so I don't know. if <laughs> <laughs> All right. So coming up for me, there's a lot of stuff yeah. coming up. So I'm going to Chicago, um, and then I'm, that's a family trip. And then I'm going to, I'm heading to uh, Vietnam with Ralph Velasco on a tour there. It'll be my first time in Vietnam. And then I'm also going to Fiji on that Fiji tour. We mentioned that Fiji uh, adventure. I'm going to do a blog post about it and a video. But we mentioned in our last episode of TWIP this whole Fijian adventure that's going on. And lo and behold, they contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested in coming along. Boom, I'm going to Fiji. So, <laughs> Do you know what kava is? K-A-V-A? Yeah. Mm-mm. They
0: make it from a root, and they put it in like a sock, and they dip it in water, and they pass it around in a bowl, and you drink it, and it feels like novocaine in your mouth. Oh and it wow! It gets you a little high, and they're, so they're playing their guitars under the palm trees and dancing. So you're gonna cava. You, when you, when next time I'm on the show with you after you come back, we're gonna talk about your kava experience. <laughs> so
1: like, yeah, man, it was awesome, Rick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll drink it. Doesn't really get to that high. It just feels good in your mouth. It's fun. Cool. All
1: right. All right. I'm all in.
2: Well all I'll right, be guys. going to Peru and I'll be I'll be chewing on coca leaves.
0: Oh
1: you need those, oh. otherwise
0: you get the altitude headache.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Coca leaves. Wait, 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 before we go, explain that. So okay, coca so leaves. Okay, so it's like wait.
2: the raw material of cocaine. Yeah. And in the in the Andes, like I've been to Peru before, so they make tea out of it. So it's it's a plant, coca leaves are uh, leaves of a plant, yeah. and they soak them and they make tea, just like he said with the cava and stuff. And they'll give you some to just chew in your mouth because it helps you with altitude sickness. So when you go up into Cusco and Machu Picchu, you aren't um, puking your guts out.
0: Wow! And have a
1: terrible headache. That too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of headaches. Cool. See, all over the world. Yeah. yeah let this be a listen uh, and a lesson to the listeners. Go out and do stuff. Because mm-hmm. you know what I found in, in the years that I've been involved in doing this photography thing and the show and all that. It's not. You, you. It's easy to get like stuck at home and not shoot stuff and look at other folks' work online and on five hundred pics and all that and be like, wow, I could never shoot like that. One of the main differences between their work and your work <laughs> is they went there. <laughs> you know? is important. Yeah, you got to go there. Don't be like, okay, you know, I never get anything good. Go to these different places. It's easier said than done for a lot of people, obviously. But when you can do it, go to some place different, even if, if it's just another town over from you. Yeah. Put yourself in a different location, and you'd be surprised at how it uh, it impacts you.
2: I actually just edited an article for DPS yesterday um, from one of our regular writers, and it was "Go on a cow safari." So if you can't afford the African safari, most places, you know, there's probably some cows nearby, and they have nice scenery usually around them, and make a little mm-hmm. picnic and just go for a drive and photograph some cows.
1: Totally. Yeah, there's cows in my area, and sheep, and there's all kinds of stuff yeah. out of here.
2: It was just about getting out, like you said, getting off the sofa, getting out of your rut, and just get out of the house.
1: Yep, yeah, go get some shots. Yeah. All right, that's a good way to end this show. Thank you both for coming on. This has Thank been an education, educationally education show. <laughs> um, and a huge thanks to our sponsors, Panasonic Lumix Cameras, lynda.com, and FreshBooks for their support of the show. And with that... I think it's time to take that lens cap off. This week in Photo
0: is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.